I want to share some thoughts around um, a word that the Lord dropped into my spirit um, the beginning of the year, and it's the title of the message today. It's diligence, diligence, and um, I don't know about you, but when I start, when I first kind of think of diligence, I think of, uh-oh, this means I've got to really step up and do something here, and we start to kind of maybe feel the weight of, oh, I, I'm just... Or, or maybe just the lack of in our lives and, and kind of feeling the weight of that. And I want you to feel different today when we talk about diligence. And I hope that the spirit of the, what I'm sharing today will come across in that. And I think the Lord, I know the Lord, has something good for us today. But he dropped this into my spirit, this word diligence, early on in the year. And it it's kind of seems, it's, it's, it's a little ironic, I think, that... that uh, that he did so, and then uh, these some some things beyond my control happened to where I started feeling really unproductive and not diligent. Uh, I had uh, my appendix out a few weeks ago, and and that was a surprise and just a quick trip to the hospital and all of that. And then and then I finally think I'm recovering from that, and then I get this cold and cough, which I know a lot of people have had. And tell, let me tell you, you don't want to have a cough when you're trying to, when your holes in your stomach are trying to heal up, right? You don't want to have a cough. Well, I had a cough, and so I was dealing with that. So all these things started coming down, and you feel like, oh, yeah, nothing's going right, and I just, I'm not getting things done. I'm having to cancel appointments and different things. And Lord, you drop this word diligence into my spirit. And, uh, but the good news is that it's only February, right? <laughs> so um, I'm on the mend and I'm thankful for God's healing grace. And, and, um, and you know, there's so many good, so many things to be thankful for. Um, scripture in Proverbs 13, 4 says, A sluggard's appetite is never filled, but the desires of the diligent are fully, someone say fully, fully satisfied. Wow, there must be something to be said for diligence. The desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. Benjamin Franklin said, diligence is the mother of good luck. Well, I don't know how much you believe in good luck, but if we want our desires to be fully realized in God, fully satisfied in God, we'll need more than good luck. We need to exert effort. We need to persevere. We need to endure. We need to stay in the game, right? And so, and then in Luke chapter 8, the, uh, Luke talks about this different kinds of soil and how the soil in what I would call the diligent heart, the seed that, that falls upon, the seed standing for the word of God, uh, the seed that falls upon the diligent heart, the good soil heart, is one that uh, hears the word, it re- keeps it, it retains the word, and it produces a crop. And so there's this, this idea of diligence being how not only what we do outwardly, but also it, it, it starts with our hearts. It starts with something going on inside of us that God is doing. And so... Uh, one of the texts I want to highlight today in Hebrews chapter 6 is um, verse 11 and 12. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11 and 12. 
And he, the writer of Hebrews says, and I'm going to start actually in verse 9. He says to these uh, who are mostly persecuted Jewish Christians he's writing to, he says this, even though we speak like this, dear friends, we're confident of better things in your case, things that accompany salvation. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end in order to make your hope sure. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Wow, there's a lot in there. And we're, we're here, we're here today, and God is saying to us, I want you to sh- have the same diligence to the very end. There's reward at the end. There's, there's a promise at the end. Stay in the game. Stay to it. Get to the finish line. And I don't know about you, but I want my hopes. I love this phrase in here, that your hope may be fully realized. I want my hopes to be fully realized. You say, well, how is that possible? Well, if we're hoping for the things that God wants us to hope for, it's possible. If we're hoping, if our hopes are in line with what God has for us, the good things that he has for us, it's possible. Our hopes can be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised This diligence is absolutely necessary, this kind of diligence. A resolve. A resolve. Can we resolve today? Make this this, uh, a, a, a covenant between you and the Lord. I resolve today to be diligent, to never give up on Jesus because he's never gonna give up on me. He will never give up on us. It's time to step up to a new level of resolve as pastors have been preaching uh, and sharing the message on it's time. There's a new level of resolve uh, that God is challenging us and calling us to step up to. And um, I want to stay in the game. I don't know about you, but I want to stay in the game because that's the only place where there's fulfillment and our hopes can be fully realized. And, uh, you know, I, I started thinking about this word determination. Determination is 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 a good thing to have but it's different than diligence you know i anyone can push through a task with determination uh you know and and most of us do that and have done that and we we can push through that task with determination but it's when we keep a steady flow of determination in our lives day to day month to month year to year that's that's diligence that's diligence, and that's what makes a difference from determination. And so for the believer, we not only have, and, and so, so often I, I know that I'm speaking probably, how many task-oriented people are out here today? Task-oriented people, yes, yes. And, and, so, and so I saw a lot of hands go up there. Task-oriented people, as, as, as those of us who are driven by, by getting the job done, um, it's it's important to know that diligence includes that, but it's not exclusively outward productivity. 
Okay, so just so you, so, and some of you, some of you maybe non-task oriented people are saying, ha, see, I'm doing something right. Um, it's not one or the other, it's both and. And it's interesting, I looked up this word diligence and some of the history behind this word, and listen to this, did you know you're more likely to be diligent about something if you love doing it? So the etymology of diligent reflects the fact that affection can lead to energetic effort. Well, that I can just go back to courting my wife, you know. Affection leads to energetic effort. I tried hard, you know. And so the word, which is, uh, descends from the Latin verb diligere, meaning to value or esteem highly or to love to value or esteem highly or to love. That's the meaning behind diligence. So, you know, and I know there's, gonna, there's always tasks that we don't care to do. So we don't, we don't need to care uh, for the task at hand in order to be diligent, but it certainly does help, doesn't it? When we're passionate about it, when we're energized about it, when we're motivated, when we love it. So us task-driven people must be careful not to simply measure diligence by by physical effort and productivity. It's important, those things are good, and we can't do it without these task-driven people out there, but we also need to measure diligence in, the, in terms of where our, our, our affections lie, where our heart is at, because out of that flows service, out of that flows productivity for the kingdom, for God, the real things that matter. So it's important that we, we keep that balance in check. So if diligence is about, uh, also about valuing, esteeming, and loving, then maybe we're okay at times when we're laid out following an appendectomy or whatever, that there still a, can be a degree of diligence because it's not only about outward productivity. In other words, it's not the only way we define diligence. So let's talk about a few things that will help us cultivate a diligent life of faith today. Um, three ways I want to I share with you today. Number one, keep the goal in front of you. Keep the goal in front of you. Paul was, 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 is our really such a great example of this. Of course, Christ also, he, what, he, he, he endured the cross, scorned in its shame. He set his eyes on the goal and, and sacrificed his life. He, he is the supreme example. And Paul also shows this incredible diligence, keeping the goal in front of him. So pursuing Christ should be our number one goal. Not our service to him, not our service to others, not, and those things are all good, but pursuing Christ and cultivating that relationship with him should be our number one goal. Philippians 3, verse 10 to 14. Paul says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participating in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already made, arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, 
There's the focus. There's the goal in mind. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. For Paul, the goal was threefold. His goal was threefold, but they all were interconnected and dependent on each other. He wanted to know Christ. He wanted to complete his mission on earth. And he wanted to take hold of his heavenly reward. His goal was threefold, and that should be our goal. No matter whatever sub-goals you may create for your life or you may establish for your life, those are the three that are the foundational goals of every believer. To know him, to know him, to know him, to complete his work that he's assigned to us and take hold of his heavenly reward. He has an assignment for each and every one in this room. And he's not, he's not, he, he's going to be with you and he's going to empower you and enable you to complete the assignment and to take hold of your reward. Paul, Paul said to young Timothy, um, and Paul, here he is, he's, he's, he's up there in age and he's reflecting on his life and he's saying to his uh, apprentice, young Timothy, 2 Timothy 4, verse 5 to 8, he says, but you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry, for I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all, that includes us, to all who have longed for his appearing. Keep your head, endure hardship, do the work, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Each and every one of us here today has a ministry that God is calling us, an assignment that he's assigned us to, and and he's saying, come up to where I am. D complete, finish the race. I'll be with you, and I'll be there to welcome you with that reward. Paul says to Timothy, it's so close. You know, he's reflecting on his life, this, this man who has served God faithfully, but has a pretty, pretty, um, pretty uh, hard past, right? I mean, here, here he is. He persecuted and killed Christians before he, uh, before Jesus met him and arrested him on the Damascus road. I mean, he, he's reflecting on all of this and he's saying, Timothy, it's so close now. I can taste it. It's so close. I can taste it, but I didn't get here by accident. I ran intentionally toward the goal. I've competed well, I was faithful. And when I didn't understand and things got really hard, I stayed in the race anyway. I want to encourage you, stay in the race anyway. If things are hard today, if things are hard tomorrow, if you're in a season of hardship and difficulty, stay in the race. It's worth it. It's worth it. Don't give up. Don't give up. Be encouraged today that God is with you and stay in the race. It will be worth it. Can you say amen?
It'll all be worth it. Have some short-term goals. Great. I am a proponent of short-term goals. They keep us on track toward the main goal, right? So we got to have short-term goals. They're like destinations along the way. And when we have the destination in focus, we don't lose sight of it. We're much more likely to arrive on time and as planned, right? Right? So I don't know how, you know, we could get into this whole spat about how, how uh, and it's always interesting how couple, when you talk to couples, how two of them navigate in the car. One of them is clinged to the GPS. It's, it's the gospel according to GPS. I mean, you can't, de- you can't deflect from that. You can't. And the other one is, uh, let's just feel our way through, you know, feel our way and we'll, we'll get there, you know. <laughs> There's there somewhere, right? Yeah. Well, you gotta have a goal. You gotta have mile markers along the way. I remember in Afghanistan, we were when I was serving in Tajikistan, we would be take we would take trips into northern Afghanistan. The humanitarian organization I was working with, we were doing rebuilding schools and and uh, distributing uh, uh, food and clothing to to the war torn areas in there and. And we got on these roads in northern Afghanistan, and nobody ever, the, lo- the, na- the locals who were driving us places, um, were, were, they felt their way. They, they actually had this innate sense of how to get where they were going, and they used dried, dried up riverbeds to navigate. There are no roads, really. So dried up riverbeds to navigate. They would use mile markers. Yeah, just up ahead will be a blown out uh, tank, a Russian tank, and you'll see that. And then uh, out, you know, in the distance, you'll see some other. There are always some kind of markers, you know. And and um, our lives are kind of like that in terms of we have these mile markers, right? We we can. And when we get good at navigating certain things in our lives, we don't even have to think twice about it. God has a destination for us. There's a long-term goal out there. But I encourage you to create short-term goals that keep you on track. And those can be lots of different ways of doing that, uh, whether it's read my Bible five times a week uh, for 30 minutes each time or spend time in his presence. Whatever, whatever things you're doing, short-term goals are important to keep us on the path, right? They're important to keep us connected to our source and to uh, t- take the hand of the one who's leading us to our destination. So don't lose sight of the goal. Uh, establish short-term goals. Uh, keep that long-term goal in mind, and you're much more likely to arrive on time and as planned. And um, I, another quote, a quote by Thomas Edison, he says, I never did anything by accident, nor did any of my inventions come by accident. They came by work. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I thought that was a, a pretty, pretty important uh, piece of establishing goals, um, which do involve effort and work. Secondly, learn the art of bouncing back. Learn the art of bouncing back. Another way of talk, when we t- talking about bouncing back is resilience, being a resilient person. Um, I can be resilient in a lot of ways, and in some ways I'm pretty rigid, and, and that can get me into trouble sometimes. Um, but resilience is important, learning, to, learning the art of bouncing back. Um, 
Listen to this, Hebrews 10. I love this passage as it's, as, as it's written in the message. Hebrews 10, verse 32 to 39. Again, the writer of Hebrews is speaking to persecuted Jewish Christians who have been imprisoned for their faith, and they're right now going through a severe trial. And this is what he says. Remember those early days after you first saw the light. Those were hard times kicked around in public, targets of every kind of abuse. Some days it was you, other days your friends. If some friends went to prison, you stuck by them. If some enemies broke in and seized your goods, you let them go with a smile, knowing they couldn't touch your real treasure. I love that. Nothing they did bothered you. Nothing set you back. So don't throw it all away now. You were sure of yourselves then. It's still a sure thing, but you need to stick it out. Staying with God's plan so you'll be there for the promised completion. It won't be long now. He's on the way. He'll show up most any minute. But anyone who is right with me thrives on loyal trust. If he cuts and runs, I won't be very happy. But we're not quitters who lose out. Oh, no. We'll stay with it and survive, trusting all the way. Remember this. This situation you're in this circumstance that you're dealing with, this obstacle in your way, this trial you're enduring, can't touch your real treasure. Can't touch it. It can't touch it. That's pretty, pretty amazing guarantee, isn't it? Can't touch it. A key to resilience, a key to bouncing back is remembering well. I want to encourage you to remember well. The enemy likes to use uh, some of our memories and past events to, to uh, paralyze us, to uh, maybe cause us to be fearful, to where we don't move ahead, we don't make a decision or whatever. But remembering well is important. And that's exactly what the writer of Hebrews is saying to these, to these Christians. He's saying, remember Remember what you've been through. Remember how you responded and how God was faithful in those moments when you were enduring a severe trial. Remember that. Remember well because it will embolden you and encourage you to stay in the game, to stick with it. And so this, the odds seemed really stacked up against them. And you may feel the same way today. You may feel like these odd, the odds are stacked up against me. I don't know how I'm going to make it. And these believers had an experience that they could point to. It's like in the Old Testament, um, the, the, the Israelites put up memorial stones to remind them of God's intervention, of God's um, faithfulness, of God's goodness whatever situation they went through, as a reminder. And you and I have reminders to keep us encouraged, to keep us, uh, to, that we can point to, to remind us of God's faithfulness when, when we feel stuck or we feel scared or we feel discouraged. You have memorial stones, as it were, in your life, and they're reminders to keep you encouraged. And pressing on. So what are those memorial stones for you? 
What are those memorial stones? What are those reminders that you can set up? Because if you don't need them now, you'll need them at some point. So just, just make a mental note. What are those memorial stones? What are those reminders for me that I can always cling to in times when God seems far, when he seems far off, when he, he, I don't feel his presence and I'm going through a hard time? Setbacks are our normal, right? And some of them are the result of our own choices. And some of them are due to the actions of others. And other times, it's just life happens. And, or we have an adversary, right? And setbacks are normal. And it's what we do with those setbacks that makes all the difference um, between, between success, reaching our destination or not. So um, I want to encourage you, stay, stay focused. Keep the goal in mind. Uh, Learn resilience, practice resilience. Um, diligence says, hey, I'm not going to lose faith. I'm gonna let, not going to let it get the best of me. I'm going to remember his faithfulness. I'm going to endure. I'm going to engage the process. I'm going to overcome. Resilience. Paul, he was never passive. We read here in this passage. He was not passive. He was intentional. He fought. He kept the faith, and he bounced back. So, Hebrews 10, 35 again, don't throw away your confidence. Don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you'll receive what he's promised. Don't give up. When you, again, a couple more quotes from Thomas Edison. I'm on a Thomas Edison kick here. When you have exhausted all possibilities, remember this, you haven't. I like that. I've not failed I've just found 10,000 ways that won't work. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> that should give us hope, right? Finally, I just give this third point to you today. Cultivate the relationship. Cultivate that relationship. with. It, it's it, it's kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier, about diligence being um, a heart issue as well as a outward uh, physical effort issue, right? So diligence says, you know, uh, it's not just, it has more than just outward action. It's what I value, what I love, what I set my affections on, and how that motivates me in my life and to do and to serve. And so I love this verse. I always kind of, this, this, this verse in Mark chapter 3, verse 14 it said when Jesus was choosing his disciples, it says that he appointed 12 that they might be with him. He, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and have authority and to drive out demons. That little word with. Cultivate the relationship. Jesus didn't choose don't just merely choose the disciples to, to get his job done. He chose them for relationship. He chose you for relationship. He chose me for relationship. He chose us to be with him, first and foremost. And then out of the with God life that we have flows the, the, the service. It flows the anointing. It flows... Uh, out of that flows how we serve God. And really, it, it's, it's the, it, makes, it, it makes the impact, right? 
It's, it's what makes the impact in and through our lives. And so be with him. He chose you to be with him. The disciples were chosen to be with Jesus and to serve out of the anointing of that relationship. So diligence pays attention to the relationship. And don't let anybody ever tell you that, uh, you know, your, your time is wasted in the relationship piece or in cultivating time with God. Spending too much time with God, that'll probably never be my problem. I need more time with God. And that is the, that is the motivation and that, that, that undergirds me and in fuel, provides the fuel and power that I need to, to serve him. There's a... Uh, there's a man who lived in the 1600s by the name of Brother Lawrence, and he was a, in the 1600s, he joined a Carmelite uh, monastery in Paris, and he was a super uh, incredible man, but always really just lived in service to God under the radar, not in the limelight, um, and that's where most of us are, and he was assigned to the monastery kitchen where amidst the tedious chores of cooking and cleaning at at the constant bidding of his superiors, he developed his rule of spirituality and work. Lawrence writes, and you can, I really really, want to just encourage you to read this if you haven't, uh, Practicing the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. It's a classic and it is, it'll never lose. Um, its, um, its relevance for today um, in terms of how to practice the presence of God in our daily lives. But in other, in, um, to keep going here, he, he wrote, he said, men invent means and methods of coming at God's love. They learn rules and set up devices to remind them of that love. And it seems like a world of trouble to bring oneself into the consciousness of God's presence doesn't it just seem hard sometimes to bring ourselves into that consciousness of God's presence, to become aware, especially in our daily lives? This is, for me, it's easier when I'm with God's people and the worship team is leading me, and it, I, I, it's easier. But, but isn't it hard sometimes? Let's just be honest. Let's get real. It's, it's hard sometimes to bring, us into that, bring ourselves into that awareness of God's presence in our daily lives. When I'm sitting at my computer, when I'm doing some task uh, at home, whatever that is. And um, so he says this, but then he says, yet it might be so simple. Is it not quicker and easier just to do our common business wholly for the love of him? For Brother Lawrence, common business, no matter how mundane or routine, that was the medium of God's love. The issue was not the sacredness or worldly status of the task, but the motivation behind it. Nor is, and then he goes on to write, nor is it needful that we should have great things to do. We can do little things for God. I turn the cake that is frying on the pan for love of him. And that done, if there is nothing else to call me, I prostrate myself in worship before him who has given me grace to work. Afterwards, I rise up happier than a king. It is enough for me to pick up a straw, but a straw from the ground for the love of God. Brother Lawrence retreated to a place in his heart where the love of God made every detail of his life of surpassing value. I began, he goes on to say, I began to live as if there were no one save God and me in the world. And together, 
God and Brother Lawrence cooked meals, ran errands, scrubbed pots, and endured the scorn. The scorn of the world. His book, The Practice of the Presence of God, is an enduring classic that every believer who wants more communion with Christ in their daily lives should read. As the worship team comes, I just want to um, bring this to a close today. I think there's those of us here today who would say, I've been... I've been looking through the wrong filter. I've been, I've had the wrong perspective. I've maybe deceived myself into thinking that in order to please or really do something for God, it's got to it kind of go big or go home, you know? And God is saying something different today, I think, to us. He's saying, where's your diligence in the daily mundane Past the routine. I want to meet you there. I want to meet you there. And I want to have impact in you and through your life there, right where you're at. That's where it starts. That's where the preparation begins in our lives. Peter, you know, uh, Peter, he was great at outward acts of devotion, right? We look at Peter, you know, cutting off the ear of a soldier that was coming to arrest Jesus. Uh, you know, these impulsive, impulsive Peter who thought that by doing these things, he was upholding a cause. And so he, he was great at those outward acts of devotion. But sometimes those outward acts, those outward acts can be the very things that get us in trouble if we're not grounded in relationship with Jesus. And so Peter came to the end of his, well, Peter ultimately denied Christ, right? And then the resurrected Christ meets him on the shore to restore him and to give him the right perspective. And John 21, starting with verse 15, they're on the shore of Galilee and Peter is with Jesus and it says when they had finished eating by the way it's Jesus who cooked the meal the resurrected Jesus I love that part about it. I don't know how that relates but he he prepared the fish and served his disciples on this on the shore and when they'd finished eating Jesus said to Simon Peter Simon son of John do you love me more than these yes Lord he said you know that I love you Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Do you love me? Do you love me? Again, getting back to that relationship. God wants to restore that relationship. And there's daily renewal, but there's also times when he just wants to do a complete uh, overhaul in terms of that relationship today.
As the worship team plays and leads us, I, I want to sing, if we could, the, the one about Father. Um, what one is it? I just Yeah, yeah. I run to the Father. No more hiding. No more hiding. Let's just run to the Father and let's just lay it down before him. He sees everything anyways. And so our outward, our outward just intentional act of saying, I run to you, Father. Restore that relationship to what you want it to be. Change my perspective. Jesus says, do you love me? I know he loves me. Do I love him? Am I diligent in what matters most? How? Now go. Then he says, now go feed my sheep. Let's get this relationship piece right. And now go feed my sheep. Amen? I don't know you, but I need a correction. I need a recalibration. I need a, a, just a, a, a course correction at times in my relationship with God. So let's stand together. And if that's you today, as we sing this song, let's just run to the Father. And if you, I, we're not going to have necessarily, unless you want, I'll be up here to pray with people. But this altar, let's just make this a place. And it, just to say, Lord, I run to you and I want to, I want to encounter you in a deeper way show the diligence to the very end. Go for it. Stay in the game. Stay focused on the goal. Hallelujah.